Mic check. One, two, one, two. Yo, what's up, man? Is this thing on? <laughs> We're the Queued Up Podcast on Podcast, your weekly source for podcast news, tips, and tricks. From production to promotion and everything in between. I'm John Luckenball. And I'm Matthew Stevens. Two podcast experts ready to help you every Wednesday. Hello and welcome to this very special bonus episode of the Queued Up Podcast on Podcasting. I'm Matthew Stevens, just one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by my fellow co-host, John Luckenball. How are you today, John? Matt, I'm awesome. This is uh, two times this week, man. It's it's always a pleasure to be with you. Absolutely, man. Uh, excited for today's bonus episode. Uh, yes. Episode 52.5. Uh, if you haven't listened to our 52nd episode about podcasting terms, stop this podcast right now. Go back and check that one out first. On that episode, you heard how experts in the podcasting field define certain terms. Well, today, we're going to be hearing more of their thoughts on words you'll need to know as you go further into the podcast world. Look, we've broken down these terms into three categories. Discoverability, ad tech, and listener experience. First, we're going to be diving into discoverability, what that means and what it entails. So what is podcast discoverability? Host of the Survive and Thrive podcast, Jennifer Ayers, shares her thoughts. The way that you can ensure that you are found by those listeners that are looking for your content. Our friend Evo Terra, who you heard from last time, expands upon this too. Discoverability is an often misunderstood concept in podcastings uh, from podcasters who feel their show should be bigger than it is. That's the snarky answer for that. Because discoverability is really about someone, a listener, wanting to find content that they would enjoy. Not necessarily a very specific show, not necessarily a specific episode of that show, but just trying to find content they wish to listen to. And people listen to podcasts all the time. Numbers keep growing, so I don't think we have a discoverability problem as much as individual podcasters would like their shows to be discovered more often, which are two very different things. One in every three times we listen to a podcast, it is one that we've heard before. It's a channel that allows us to create these habits in our audience. One of the biggest hurdles a podcaster has is discoverability. We've seen audiences mainly find their podcasts through friends as well as on social media. With the younger generations, social media plays an important role in the visibility of podcasts especially within the last year as people were homebound during the pandemic. I like the thought of an intimate personal experience being the future path of podcasts. There is a lot of growth potential here for increasing audience and engagement. We will get into more of these definitions later in the episode. Matt, how much of a role does data play in discoverability? For any serious podcaster, data is the lifeblood of what you're doing. From tracking how effective a marketing initiative is through platform-specific data, to apps like Apple Podcasts relying on certain data points like reviews, unique listeners, and listener habits in its algorithm to determine which podcast should be promoted to its listeners. Platforms allow users to discover the content they are looking for in a variety of ways. Dr. John Sullivan touches on how your platform can help your discoverability. A platform is an internet service that connects people together by bringing them content and by also creating environments where they can access find, download, and consume content. Jen points out how your platform can be used as a tool. I think of hosting platform when I hear you ask that question. So a tool or technology that provides a place for you to house all of your content for distribution. 
If you're looking for other ways to garner support, you can turn into a podcast network. Matt, how would you define a podcast network? Much like we've seen on television, radio, and around the internet, a network is simply a company that distributes specifically curated content to its users. That network can create the content themselves or just be a landing spot to find it, but they're the ones that determine what goes out and what doesn't. A good podcast network helps promote and monetize the podcast under its umbrella. Our guest, Ariel Nissenblatt, the founder of the Earbuds Collective and community manager at Squadcast, specifies how some podcast networks are a little different than others. Podcast networks also function differently depending on where they are and who is involved in them. Some of them are revenue generating and some of them are just kind of a support network. Podcast networks can be a great way to generate revenue. Ariel explains how it can come at unexpected times through what she calls syndication. I was thinking about this last night because I was thinking about how on Friends, those people are making bank from syndication and they will forever. And about how I wish that were a thing with podcasts, but I guess it kind of is because if my podcast has dynamic ads and somebody listens to it five years from now, I'm going to get a few cents. <laughs> and that is podcast syndication. I think, for example, I run my newsletter on MailChimp and it goes out on Sundays. And then I also put it on my website, but I wouldn't say that it's syndicated to my website. But if somebody else were to make a partnership with me and syndicate, quote unquote, my newsletter to their mailing list, I would call that syndication. So I guess it would would be similar with podcasts. Ariel has a great point about dynamic ads, which we'll cover in a bit. But before we jump into that, we want to cover one last way to boost your discoverability, your ID3 tag. Rob Greenlee explains what that is. ID3 tags is the metadata that's embedded inside of a media file, whether an MP3 or MP4 file. This metadata contains things like author, podcast category, cover art, the year the episode was recorded, and more. This information helps listeners get a better idea if your podcast is the content they're searching for. Moreover, some apps take info from the ID3 tag to help categorize as opposed to the RSS feed. Moving on to our ad tech category, these terms tell you what you need to know about, well, ads. But more importantly, making money. So let's revisit dynamic ads. What exactly are they? Uh, The devil. No. (laughs) Dynamic ad insertion is a way to stitch ads in real time at the time of the download request into the podcast to allow for greater flexibility and ownership of the whole media. That was Brian Barletto on how he views dynamic ads. Let's hear what Mark Asquith has to say. Uh, Dynamic ad insertion is where content is inserted after you have finished your recording at the point where the hosting company gets involved and will insert adverts that you don't always necessarily control. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't into your content in a, I don't want to say dynamic way, but in a dynamic, automated manner. Dynamic ads. I liken them to a bookmark that you can place in your audio files from a hosting platform. These bookmarks allow you to save a location that you can then switch out new ads with. These bookmarks give you a location to easily add and change out ads over time. So when someone listens to an episode from months ago, the ad isn't from last Christmas. It would be updated as you want. The really cool part on dynamic ads is that they don't necessarily have to be ads. They can be used to create and insert dynamic content into your episodes as well. 
stick a plug to another show on your network, a shout out to your Patreon supporters, or even unique content for target audiences based on location. However, there are other types of ads. Baked-in ads are inserted into the episode during production. Unlike dynamic ads, these can't be removed without going back and editing everything again and creating a mess for yourself. Going a little further into ads, let's talk about placement within the episode. Rob Greenlee defines what a pre-roll is. Pre-roll is a piece of audio, oftentimes an advertisement, that is put in at the beginning of an audio program. However, these ads don't just have to come before the episode. Evo breaks down what a mid-roll is. A mid-roll is something that, well, it's not pre-roll, which is a zero-zero, and it's not post-roll, which is the very, very, very end. Mid-rolls can happen anywhere inside of a file, inside of a podcast download. Some advertisers require mid-rolls to happen between not in the first 25% and not in the last 25%, but somewhere in the middle 50%. Others, less. Others simply are more pure about that and say, no, a mid-roll is anything that happens after the audio has begun playing and before it reaches all the way to the end. Ad placement is incredibly important when selling ad space in your podcast. Pre-roll ads will often get more ears than those done at the end of your podcast. Of course, more ears means more money too. So how can advertisers judge which podcast to sponsor? They use metrics like CPA and CPM. Brian tells us what both CPA and CPM means. Cost per acquisition. So that is uh, the dollar amount for every driven conversion or goal that you're you're trying to drive to with the campaign. Cost per milli, uh, which is really referencing a thousand impressions. Rob expands upon the CPM definition. This is typically an advertising-based reference that an advertiser or a brand would pay to a content creator to insert um, advertising into a program and pay for that on a per thousand listener or download basis. In our previous episode, Matt and I discussed the importance and current lack of standardization within the podcasting industry. However, we're not the only ones who feel this way. Mark talks about what IAB certified means and what it does. IAB certification, IAB Tech Lab uh, certification is where a hosting platform or, or a company that will measure podcast downloads has agreed and built their technology stack in such a way that it adheres to uh, a formalized set of standards also being agreed upon by a range of companies doing that. So it's almost a self-regulation um, provided by the IAB, and it's, it's in order to standardize the delivery of downloads and, importantly, provide a framework where people can start to identify bots that might be not necessarily malicious but not genuine people trying to download. And it's, just, it's a way of making sure that downloads are as closely mapped to listens as possible with the current tech. Evo even jokes with us about IAB compliance. IAB compliant means we're talking about a hosting company who has read through the IAB spec, because that sounds like fun, and feels that they have configured their metrics server, their analytics package to follow the rules. Now, to follow the guidelines, because they're not rules, follows the guidelines that IAB set up, and they are self-certifying that. No one, they're not paying for it. They're saying we are compliant. We've read through all of these rules, changed our tracking server, and you can now trust our numbers or as much as you can trust the IAB's numbers. IAB certifies me you did all of that and you paid $60,000 to the IAB so they can say, yes, you did. 
You probably didn't enter the podcasting industry to make money, but it's nice if you can. At the end of the day, these ad tech terms all are trying to do one thing, get ears to ads. Ads can help creators while boosting brands. That's why the industry is grappling to track impressions, which Rob defined for us as well. That is the time that a piece of audio is heard by a listener or times. On to our final section, listener experience. What is the listener experience? Well, podcasting is an audio-based industry, so the real question is, what is an audio experience? Jen tells us how she views the term audio experience. The feeling, the quality, the interaction that someone has with audio content or content that is delivered via the ears. Jason Fields, Chief Strategy Officer at Voiceify, puts it nicely. Audio experience, you know, when you tack the word experience onto it, it sounds like it should be something more than just listening, right? I guess that's what it means to me. The cool thing is that as technology evolves, so can the audio experience. Jen tells us about one new tech feature that's working its way into podcasting. A voice assistant is a mechanism or a device that you can ask to provide information or take an action. Jason explains it further. What is a voice assistant, guys? A voice assistant is a piece of software that is able to process your words into action, either on its own or through a relationship with third-party functionality. Roughly 128 million Americans use a smart assistant at least once a month. Granted, that number only represents a small but growing percent of how people consume podcasts. And right now, it can still be a struggle to get Alexa to understand you and play the correct podcast every time. But as smart assistants continue to evolve, we should expect them to help listeners better search for and find specific podcast content in the not-so-distant future. Besides, maybe the best way to have Alexa and Siri perform better is to actually provide better data for them to search. This can be done by a voice experience platform like Voiceify. Smartphones account for most smart assistants at this point, but there are also nearly 160 million smart speakers in American homes right now. Podcast listeners can experience their favorite podcasts on smart speakers. This brings podcasts into the home as a true entertainment option for a family, as opposed to single listeners on phones. It'll be interesting to see where the podcasting industry will go with smart speakers. Will it stick, or will listening to podcasts on Alexa be a fad? Jason lets us know his thoughts. A smart speaker is a sophisticated paperweight that's got a voice assistant on it. <laughs> now, we can't forget about the power of social media. With more than half the world's population currently using some form of social media, what better way to engage with your listeners and potentially grow your audience? I love the way Dr. Sullivan describes social media to us. Any form of online media that allows people to connect with one another via access to a shared digital platform. Social media has taken a unique turn in recent years, seeing the trend of social audio platforms like Clubhouse explode seemingly overnight. Dr. Sullivan continues his thoughts on this. Audio social media? Is that any form of social media that privileges uh, sharing, creating, or distributing audio? And our guest Rob breaks down social audio nicely. Ooh, that one is being defined right now. Uh, I think it's, it's a live audio experience that has a deep level of engagement and connection and communications between large numbers of audience members. 
Jen points to specific ways you can use social audio. When I hear the word social audio, I think of audiograms. So sound bites of visual content that you might push out via social channels that have an audio component to it. This has been a fun bonus look at all the different podcast terms podcasters should know. If you haven't listened to episode 52, our look at how podcast definitions aren't so clear cut, go check that out right now. And if you'd like help with your podcast, make sure to check us out at mypodcastagency.com. Make sure to tune in for more tips and discussion on podcasting right here on the Queued Up Podcast on Podcasting. That's all for today's podcast news, tips, and tricks. You can find us at mypodcastagency.com or on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at QDUP Audio. Make sure to share us with your podcast friends and follow us on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks for podcasting with us, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday.